Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 79, and it's time for another quarterly Q&A here. And every week, we answer questions for our patrons on the after show, which we talk about a lot. And each quarter, we like to pick a few of them and share it with the broader audience. So we're excited about this quarter, too, because we just debuted some voicemail questions. And you and us are going to get to hear direct from our patrons in their beautiful voices. So we're super excited to, to have some of our patrons on the show and have them actually ask their questions live. So not not live, but recorded. But uh, you get to hear their voices. So but before we get into it, we do want to thank a few new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. Actually, we had our first new patron of 2019, which was Kentucky Hand Turn. Thank you so much for joining. And Ricard Lamont upgrading his patronage. Thank you very much, Ricard. And hopefully uh, I get that pronunciation right. I like the Lamont, you know, but it's probably like Limont. But, you know, I love when you add the flavor. You just take a guess. Like it, it's Just take my- a guess. <laughs> I know. I just go. I just go with it. But, it's one uh, of my you know, favorite whatever. things. Yeah. Uh, If you do want to support the show and get some awesome rewards as well as now be on the actual show for our quarterly Q&As and have some of your after show questions asked, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and check that out there. John, what is going on, man? This is like the first second show. I guess that was what we dropped that last show was actually recorded in 2018. This is the first show recording in 2019. Yes. 2019. How's 2019 treating you so far, man? New year, new me. I, uh, so I, I, I I was thinking of Brad, obviously coming into the new year and, um, I decided to get this like really cool, uh, massive mouse pad for my desk. (laughs) Because that's not even like a, I wouldn't even call that a mouse pad anymore. It, it's supposed to be called it's a like mouse a desk pad. pad. But it's like a desk pad, yeah, and it actually quiets the noise here because Brad constantly tells me to stop ta- tapping on my desk. So you know that's <laughs> that's a big upside for 2019, as well as that uh, that other thing I got going on with the um, you know enormous 2,500 square foot shop build. <laughs> Finally getting that wrapped up. I just just completed wrapping the exterior wall with barn wood and getting my signage up. All the lighting is oh, yeah. wired in. Dust collections piped in now. All the machines are hardwired that need to be. Um, switches and everything are set up. The shop is ready to rock and roll for content creation now, which is extremely exciting. And I got some new heat in there, which is great because it's starting to get really, really cold here in Pittsburgh. So I'm stoked. 2019 is bar none going to be my best year as a content producer yet. Um, and we got some shows and stuff coming up. I'm just really, really excited and glad to have all of that monotonous BS Shop build work done. That was that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been it's been fun watching you, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, I know he wants to be done with this so hard. Uh, I I the same way, man. As far as being pumped for 2019, uh, some fresh starts, and I am I'm rounding out my own shop build out. Although mine's you know just kind of a swap one for one type thing. So lots of shop projects coming up that I'm trying to wrap up and then roll into some other things that we'll be talking about later. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm excited that the biggest thing that I am so excited about, like coming into a new year, um, I'm not huge on resolutions, but I, you know, I do like goals. And so I've kind of set out my goals of, you know, business stuff and, and where I want to be. And then, you know, working on some personal goals too, and those type of things. Uh, but I just love the calendar. Like I look at the calendar right now, wide open it's like, <laughs> compared to like what what the calendar looks like at the end of q4 you know it's like you're crunching and you're going from october november to december and trying to clean up all the things that you had left and now it's like january it's just like the open highway i feel like i'm in montana you know just looking down the interstate like i can do anything and then you know a few weeks from now we'll be like you know in the, in up the to our ears in the, <laughs> yeah. in, in the muck yeah <laughs> but but right now it's yeah, right now it is it is wonderful um yeah dude so yeah I'm, I'm stoked about these uh voicemail questions because you know we've been reading the questions and those are great but it's it's really fun to 
to actually hear uh, our patrons' voices here and and kind of hear some of the inflection and emotion about that as well as just get them to introduce themselves to you guys. So uh, that is a nice little perk that we get to offer to our patrons that they can get a chance to be on the show and have their questions. So, dude, why don't we kick off with the first one? I think we've got uh, our buddy Sean Guthrie from Cask Woodworks. Yeah, so we got Sean Guthrie coming in hot. Hi, Brad and John. It's Sean Guthrie from Cask Woodworking. I'd really like to get your guys' perspective on selling platforms. Now, I'm not talking about Etsy and, and established ones like that. I'm talking about selling platforms for your own website so that you can tag on Instagram sites like Shopify or Facebook and all that kind of stuff. I'm really curious on how you can you know, really drive people to your own website and set up a shop on your website. If I could get your guys' perspective on that, that would be great. I appreciate the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. So we uh, answered this initially on the after show. The question kind of started in a unique conversation, uh, I say, between me and Brad, just because both of us have pretty much like never been into selling on our websites for a a, a product basis um, on any platform that wasn't like specifically, you know, fixthisbuild.com or johnalecki.com, right? But with that, I did reflect back on, you know, my former business where we were selling merchandise and I was selling uh, a couple other small parts products and whatnot. And uh, we did, you know, some stuff on Big Cartel and Shopify, and there was a a ton of research done there. So, you know, when we uh, when Sean initially asked the question, we chose to answer it because there's so many options out there and we understand how it can become so overbearing. Um, And with that, you know, I think where things were a couple years ago when most of us got into this um, and started moving small parts and cutting boards and boxes and all that and whatever uh, kind of stuff, man, was it overwhelming. Uh, and I think that a lot of the bigger platforms are doing a great job of integration now. And, and you know, where we went in the after show, <coughs> oh, excuse me, where we went in the after show kind of leaned towards the integrated platforms, mostly being Shopify or um, something like a Squarespace. Um, so I'll touch on it quickly that I, if I was in your shoes, Sean, I would definitely say um, look into Shopify, especially if you don't have a website. If you don't have a website right now, Shopify offers you know tons of templates and opportunities to create a blog Uh, kind of atmosphere that is focused around moving product. I know a couple business owners um, who move, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in product who use Shopify and they host absolutely everything on there. They have um, all of their contents hosted on there as well as blogs and and maybe even, uh, you know, some type of, uh, you know, frequently asked questions, pages and things like that, that make it seem like a whole uh, encompassed, real established business and Shopify has super easy to use templates. They have downloadable templates. You can upload, you can do a lot of it yourself too. Um, and, and, it, and it integrates very, very well with things like your email list. It integrates well with uh, social media platforms and makes it pretty much seamless. If your focus is going to be on moving, um, you know, small goods and things that can ship. I would not recommend something like that for, uh, you know, if you want to move coffee tables and dining tables and things that are going to be much more difficult to ship because you're going to be freighting them. And it's the transparency of cost when it comes to freight becomes a little bit more difficult. And if you're not doing the actual transaction on the site, um, there's pretty much no need for all of the, you know, stuff that goes into all of that. Um, We've talked previously on other shows, I believe. Um, wow, that had to be way back in the day, the Etsy conversation, Brad. Like, oh, yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking way, way, way back in the day. Um, so with that, you know, you can check out that episode if you want to hear mine and Brad's uh, opinions on selling on Etsy. But for for this specifically, um, you want to be on an own platform. I think Shopify is the best. There's other great options out there, but I would highly recommend checking it out and looking into some of the. Uh, the, the templates and all of the uh, the great information that they have out there available. Yeah, Shopify is definitely the biggest one, <clears throat> and it's <clears throat> and the, you're contagious, contagious coughing here. Uh, Shopify is definitely the the biggest one as far as in the hosted space. And and again, so it's a, it's a little different because I know Sean, you know, you asked about going to your website. Uh, if you get Shopify, it's not it's owned, but it's not technically your website. So if you had caskwoodworking.com. Um, you would set up a subdomain that would be something like 
shop.caskwoodworking.com or something like that. So, you know, that was kind of the other thing that we branched into in that after show is um, the Shopify and other things like that, you know, like the big cartel or the or the um, even the Squarespace, if you do it just as a shop, as an online store, those are going to be their own standalone, but they kind of integrate and you can do, it's called a subdomain, which I know that you're familiar with being in IT, but uh, so it, it goes off, but it's not going to have the same uh, like sidebars that or the headers that your own personal page would have. Um, even though, you know, you could make some of the graphics look the same. So the other option, which I use personally uh, on my own store is WooCommerce. So because I am on WordPress, uh, you can use plugins. So if it, you're going to come to like, if you're actually wanting somebody to go to your own website, uh, you can actually integrate, I believe, into Squarespace if you do have a website and an online store and, and make those together. And Squarespace has got some really nice stuff out there. So go check them out. Uh, but as far as from a WordPress, that's the beauty of WordPress is the plugin system. And you can do all kinds of, of different plugins for uh, for e-commerce on WordPress, and that is all hosted there. Uh, probably the biggest is WooCommerce, and WooCommerce has a bunch of its own plugins. Uh, you know, that's the downside of, of WordPress and WooCommerce is that it's like you, you need a stinking plugin for everything. And it's almost too configurable in the sense that it's all, you know, kind of a la carte or it can be. Uh, and, and that's the downside. So I do sell merchandise on my site and I use WooCommerce for that. But it's I'm not selling a ton of it. You know, it's it's very few and far between, you know, stickers and, and shirts, a um, few hats here and there. Uh, and then I do most of my plan sales through Gumroad, which I've talked about in the past. And again, that's not an owned property either. I link out to that. Uh, but you could, so I do actually have some plans on my site that are free plans, uh, because it's easier for me to host free ones on my site. Uh, so it is a little bit disjointed. Uh, so that's like, when you look at it, you're going to want to look at, uh, you know, does it make more sense to have the ease of use and all in one nature of a Shopify or a Squarespace? Because that's what they give you versus trying to fit something into your website. That's the downside. And that's the question you need to ask yourself is, or what are the benefits of actually getting people on your website. And, uh, you know, what I would tell you is if your main goal is to actually sell products, then don't worry about it. Just get them to the Shopify because the whole point of getting them to your website typically is going to be conversion. Unless you have other things that you have sales funnels for on your website, you want to get them on your email list, which you can do on Shopify or, or Squarespace. You can, you know, if when they sign up and check out, you can have a little checkbox that says, you know, sign up for my newsletter or whatever. Um, or just they're already on your newsletter, you know, they're already on your email list as a customer and you can send them emails. So it all depends upon what you want to do and why you want to get them to your site. So that would be kind of my broader answer to is, is, um, you know, know what your goal is and why you want them on your site. And if it's purely for conversion of sales, I think you're better off with one of these Shopify Squarespace type things. Uh, if you want them into your bigger, uh, you know, ecosystem of your website and all the other things that it offers and they want you want them to watch videos and you want them to read blog posts and all these other things then yes probably wordpress would be where you want to be which is which is where i'm at so some great options out there um, and for everybody else you know i think it's a great conversation because uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to use the website and there's some really easy plug and play options out there and we'll link to those in the show notes as well yeah, I also use uh, you know, the uh, the WordPress theme as well, and, and that's what's worked for me well. So I definitely agree with you there, Brad. Shopify is a great option as well. Um, so going to the second part of that question, uh, you know, you talked about integrating the Instagram a little bit, and I think what Sean was talking about there is if you guys have been perusing your Instagram feeds and seeing those little dots that kind of pop up on some people's posts, um, those are actually product placements um, in which you can directly link to your sales funnel. Um, which are really, really cool. And I could easily see how the integration of those into a lot of the type of listeners we have on the show um, could be something that would be interesting. So with that, um, you're going to want to make sure whatever platform you choose to sell on, whether it is something like a Squarespace, which has great integration for e-commerce as well, um, the uh, Shopify concept, or something uh, that's a little more of the, I guess, open source that Brad and I like to use. Right. You can um, make sure that your integration works well with Facebook if you want to use this yeah. Instagram and Squarespace option. does that. I yeah. know Squarespace you can do, and, and basically 
just to, to really be clear on what this is. Most of the times you have to set up a Facebook store and then yes. you can sell your items through Instagram and you can make them purchasable. So if you had a picture of a cutting board, somebody could click on that in Instagram. It would take them to your Facebook page where they could buy it. Um, you can do that directly through Shopify, I know. Uh, and, and I don't know exactly how that looks, but I know they advertise it that it, so I don't know if you click it and then it blasts through Facebook into your Shopify or if it goes direct to Shopify, but you can integrate that. You can also do, I know there's, uh, some WooCommerce plugins you can do. So there's absolutely the option to use the, uh, like you said, John, the, whatever they call it, product placement sales, or, uh, there's probably a really clever name for it. That's really easy that I'm not thinking of. Yeah. Like Instagram products or something like that. But, uh, it, it seems like it's really cool. And I know a lot of like the style bloggers. I know a lot of food bloggers. I know a lot of small product, uh, type uh, makers and creators are are crushing it with that type of advertising. You can run ads behind it. You can get uh, like direct conversion comparisons with those types of things. Um, and I think it could work really well. Um, the one thing, you know, as far as a strategy um, uh, opinion would go, would be to don't uh, overly bank on that transaction um, funnel. If you're going to be getting into selling small goods, uh, just because it is, a, we've both found that it's very difficult to gauge the type of audience you have on Instagram when it comes to transactions or, or purchasing directly. Um, you know, I've I've put in small blasts and done a little bit more of like the, the cliche marketing stuff with uh, limited quantity and limited time frame and you know discounts and all that kind of stuff on Instagram. Sunday, and, Sunday, Sunday. Right? It, it, yeah. And those type of things work <laughs> well, but if you want your main staple sales funnel to be product placement on Instagram, um I would just be a little bit weary of that. You definitely want to focus on creating a a core audience and a and a core customer base and and uh having them driven outside of the platform. Don't bank on that platform. Uh, make sure you're, you know, hosting all of your products on something that you own uh, for the most part, quote unquote, and uh, and then driving to that as a supplemental uh, marketing source. Uh, so it is cool. Uh, I'd be interested to see how it works for you. I think it works well for things like merchandise and wallets and pens and uh, and, and some some small stuff. But uh, but yeah, if you get into that, Sean, let us know. We answered this question a little while back, so we'd love to hear about how um, your progress has come along as well. Absolutely. Cool, man. Cool. We're going to switch gears and go to the, uh, and we, we like to go, you know, between product and content on these questions too. So our next one is from Alex Fang and, uh, he's talking about content and, and sponsorships. So he asked us, uh, he says, Hey, I know you guys uh, said sponsorships can happen whether the following is small or large. Uh, but he has fairly new IG and YouTube channels only a few weeks old, but he's had a lot of growth. And so he's wondering, do sponsors take into account the rate of growth, or do they not even bother? Do they not even bother looking at that uh, when you have such small numbers? And uh, we thought this is a really great question. We and we talked to Alex uh, about this and a couple things that that we kind of uncovered from the question, which was which was kind of interesting. So first, you know, this was like I said, he had very new. So he was uh, you know uh, under a thousand followers on IG, but growing very quickly, and uh, the same on YouTube. And our first you know, first point of conversation was you don't need to be worrying about sponsors right now. And, and, you know, I think that it's, it's super exciting. That's one of the things that we want to talk about as, you know, we talk about sponsorships a lot and we talk about how to grow them and how to, how to grow your account and all these things. Uh, but we, we really think you need to take a step back, right? Like in, in our lives, as we grew our accounts, I mean, we didn't start bringing on sponsors until because and it wasn't even as big a thing back then, but you know, well into the thousands, you know, I think I was, I don't know, five or 10,000 maybe before I even started thinking about it. Um, but it is such a, it's such a predominant thing right now that so many people are doing it. I think it, it just, it becomes like, oh, I, I need to, I need to start doing this. I need to be thinking about sponsors. Like I, I gotta, I gotta, I just hit 500 followers. I need to do a giveaway. Who should I have sponsors? <laughs> and like we hear and see these things. And, and, you know, that was kind of our first, uh, our first piece of feedback was just like, you know, just, don't worry about that stuff. Like worry about making really great content because that's the thing. So Alex, uh, his his um, his account is is Bevelish Creations, and he does some amazing cinematography, and he does really great photos. And it's like, dude, you're crushing the content game. Like focus on that. Focus on growing organically with the amazing content you do, 
and then worry about that stuff later. Uh, right. So that that's kind of the the question behind the question or the answer behind the question that wasn't asked uh, is is don't worry about that stuff. And then the other part of the question, you know, hit, hit, well, what's the other answer of the question, John? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, it, flat out, I don't think sponsors track growth. If that's the other part of the question you were asking my opinion on, um, you know, they're not. You got to think uh, about it this way that that sponsor, the individual who's working for that brand or whatever it might be, isn't taking the time to daily track how many followers you've picked up and how your posts are doing. Like, that's not their job. Um, their job is 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 much different. And so because of that, growth isn't something that's vitally important to them. Now, where growth can become important is if you're seeing projections and consistent numbers working to your favor where you can create a proposal and then perhaps approach a brand or a sponsor um, that, you know, you say you want to work on a free product basis, but if you hit certain milestones or that you see because of your projection curve that you could be at this, you know, level that you would like to then become compensated, like things like that could work to your advantage. But I, I honestly feel like it's unnecessary work. Um, and that's something that I, I wouldn't advocate for that. I wouldn't, you know, really tell you to go ahead and do. Um, and I, and I have to go back and, and agree with Brad, you know, I think 100% your focus needs to be on creating as high quality content as you possibly can in order to create an engaged and, uh, deep and rich community around your content and not just try to monetize immediately and not just try and, uh, you know, pick up a couple little, uh, couple bucks here and there or whatever it might be just because the market is doing that. Um, you know, we, we both tend to be the kind of guys that as everyone else is going left, you know, go right or whatever that the saying is. And, and with that, uh, this whole spectrum of sponsorships in, in our, especially our community is becoming something that's very, very abundant. And it's, it's visible. Like you're seeing it a lot more than we were used to seeing it, you know, but with that also comes like the concept of the market value for content creators in the maker community uh, as a whole. You know, if you, um, for instance, wanted to get started working with sponsors with 500 followers on Instagram, um, one, they're not going to be willing to pay very much or if anything um, in order to work with you because they're able to get, you know, con or, excuse me, accounts that have tens of thousands of sponsors for pretty cheap. So with that, uh, they're probably going to want to give you free product. So now you're working with them on a free product basis to where if you do grow your following, say, to five, ten thousand followers and you do would like to start monetizing, they've been getting free work from you for however long you've been growing that account. Um, and so their expectations now are set to the, the idea that you will work for them for free for product exchange, essentially. Um, and, and you just set yourself up in a it's a more difficult situation. And I'm only saying this because I've been there right? Brad knows I've worked with brands before in the past for long periods of time in which we were just doing product exchange. And then I realized, you know, how much I was undervaluing and underselling myself compared to the work that I was putting into creating, um, you know, beautiful and creative content for these brands. So that's another reason neither one of us think that focusing on creating, you know, sponsorship opportunities that early is really where your focus should be. It should definitely be on creating a core audience and creating quality content. And then once you hit your rhythm, the growth just starts coming. And then right. from there, the brands that you want to be working with will one either be contacting you or will be a very easy pitch for you. Um, I'll, right. I'll tell you, it's much easier to go to a brand when you have 20,000 followers <laughs> and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'd love to work together. I'll be hitting this milestone, blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying that, hey, I'm so-and-so that is projected to hit 20,000 followers because of my growth potential. Um, and then I could be there in, you know, six months or so or whatever it might be. So, right. Um, Which is funny because we, we just had that conversation. Like we literally mm -hmm. just had this conversation right before we started recording about it is always, always easier to have the sponsor come to you oh. versus you going to them, <laughs> even if, right. So I would even, I honestly, if, so for the sponsors we've talked about in the past, the sponsors uh, that you should, that you're going to have the best time going after are ones you're already using. Mm -hmm. So instead of going and asking and, and trying to get a little amount, give them free press, right? Like in, in that way, like you're basically, you know, in the sense of you're using their products and you call them out, but like not over aggressively and just showing that. And so then when you do hit that milestone, like John said, you know, 
you get to 10 or 20,000 or 5,000 or whatever it is, you know, we're not saying you have to wait till 100,000 to go contact people, but you can go back and then you can say, uh, once you say, hey, uh, you know, I've been a great uh, proponent of, of your products for a long time. Uh, here's a few pieces of content that have done really well, you know, really resonates with my audience. Um, I would love to do some product or not product to do some some sponsorship with you. And here's a great project I have. You know, I'm, I have a project coming up. I'm going to be building, you know, a barrister bookcase. And you guys have the best hinges in town. I've been using them for ages and I really want to highlight this, you know, and, and you're going and, and talking with somebody like that, like going in and having a very specific project in mind uh, also does very well. So again, kind of going back to that sponsorship thing where you can show past history. And then you also say, here's exactly what I'm going to do. Here's what I've done in the past that has gone well. And, you know, I think this is going to really do this and I can drive some links, you know, and here's what you'll get. I'll give you three blog. Uh, I'll give you three Instagram posts, a story with a swipe up. You're going to get a, a video where you're going to have links in the description and I'm going to give you a call out mid roll. Like what like that? That's kind of what that looks like as as John and I go out and pitch sponsors or, you know, they come to me and say, hey, what can you do? Uh, but again, like you're building that up and you can do that without approaching them. And it's especially like, you know, for most of, of you guys and gals out there, you're doing this as a side hustle. So you don't need the money at the moment, right? Like you're not counting on it because you're not making anything on it. So don't push, you know, don't don't push it and try to push something in where you don't need to, to be doing it yet. Lay back, get the following, and then it's going to go much easier for you down the road. So you don't have to have that conversation like John talked about, about like, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I, 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 it'd really be cool. Like if you could give me some money this time instead of product, like <laughs> that's, that's, that is a hard conversation to have because, um, because that's what it is. And, and it's not, it's not a hard conversation to have when you can say, Hey, I have grown from a thousand to 20,000 in the last two months. Um, things are really banging. Look at all this exposure I've gotten on your products. That is not a hard conversation to have when you can show growth that you have had, not growth that you think you will have. That that's the key, I think. That's that's really the key. And again, you know, we're not we're not uh, harping on Alex here. Again, you know, he's he's asking the right questions, like trying to figure out, like what what do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's done a, a fantastic job uh, getting that content out there and growing his account. So a big shout out to Alex again. Uh, great question, buddy. Yeah, and, and just before we you know change to the to the next question in line, I want to touch on something that you brought up there. Briefly, Brad, because I've been seeing a lot of it, and that's the uh, that's the using a brand's product before you're working with that brand concept, right? Um, if you're trying to get a brand's attention and you would like to be working with them down the line, don't t- try not to make content around a literal ad for that company, right? Like I love seeing a lot more people becoming creative and usage of tools and usage of products and stuff in their Instagram posts. But brands are, in our experience, very turned off by ads, right? They want to see integration. They want to see you using their product like a day-to-day person. Instagram, is, especially the maker community, is a beautiful place where a lot of people are getting really, really good at creating content around specific viral concepts, right? But you also got to remember that there's millions and millions of people watching stuff out there that are more interested in learning how to build and the projects that are being built. And they're not just trying to capitalize on the, uh, the attention to the market right now for, you know, the growth of influencers. So with that, um, try and, you know, instead of picking up a tool and, uh, you know, focusing solely on that for an Instagram post, take it and incorporate it into something that you're making or something that you're building or something that you're doing. You don't need to tag the brand. You don't need to, you know, um, tag 63 other brands in each post. You don't need to essentially spam them. Uh, be passive about it. That way, when you go to that brand, the value add is, oh, you know, in these posts before, I wasn't tagging you because we weren't working together, but I'd love to, uh, you know, uh, add your uh, add your handle to my posts now, especially, you know, for brands that are um, looking for specific deliverables like that. And, and those are all upsells at that point. If you've been doing it in the past, what you take away is when you do pitch the company is that ability to upsell that aspect. Um, and I think that it also takes away from building a community around uh, yourself, your voice, your message as a maker um, and not as an advertiser, right? 
you know, you want your community to be built around the the what you're making, not what you're advertising. Um, and if that makes sense, I've just been seeing a little bit more of it recently, and I wanted to touch base on it real quick as as Brad slightly skimmed over it there. No, um, because, that's a because I don't want point on. I don't want to see you know I don't want to see our listeners trying to gain brand attention, right? And then failing and wondering why, you know, we, we, we're trying to put you in the best position to win. And from our experience, if you can use integrated products into, um, you know, building and creation of physical goods or whatever your uh, channel is about, that's where those brands get the most value. Um, and you got to think of it in the concept of like when, you know, when Brad got started uh, woodworking, right, you wanted to be like Norm. So whatever Norm was doing, you'd go and find the tools that he was doing or whatever was closest to it and then try to replicate what he was doing. It didn't matter to you if he was doing an advertisement for a fastener. Um, you know, you weren't going to go and just solely only buy that fastener because of the ad. You were buying it because you believed Norm was, you know, your guy or your hero or whatever the it might king, be. because he is. Yeah. So with that, you want to create the same kind of idea around your brand, you know. Um, and so for me, it's like grow a mustache, be like Nick Offerman, you know, move out West, <laughs> you know, be awesome and eat bacon. So <clears throat> those type of things, you want to be, get people buying into your brand identity, to what you're building, to the voice of your channel, not so much as the ads you're trying to crush it for brands for. And I, yeah. and I hope that makes sense. Cause it can kind of no, be hazy. It, dude, I, I think that's a great point. And I like the idea of that too. I mean that, so there's a whole thing about supply and demand here. That's kind of like the underwriting theme, right? Is like, like you said, like, you know, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? That's the old saying, right? Like if you're already advertising for them and just like plastering their stuff all over your page and, and tagging them and, and just everything about these products and going on and on, then the question to them is going to be, well, why should I pay you? You're already doing that for me. <laughs> so I love that. I do love that point, John. So that there is a, a, a spot where it's like, you know, it's one thing to get noticed by them. And then it's another thing to um, keep some of that supply to yourself in the sense of, hey, like maybe, yeah, you maybe you hashtag them, but it's kind of a subtle thing. You know, maybe it's the hashtag in the comments. So they actually see it. They see that you're using it. You're clearly using the product, but you're not you're not giving them an at mention where they can go, you know, where you're driving followers to their accounts. You know, you're clearly not giving them swipe ups or anything like that to their products. Uh, and then, so then you have, you have a supply of something that you're not giving them yet. Right. So, so that you, then you can go and say, Hey, there's a huge demand for this content. Uh, and I'm not giving my audience what I could. I'd love to partner with you and give them a swipe up to your product. I'd love to partner with you and, and give them a mention and, or give you a mention and, you know, give you some followers. So, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're keeping it close to the vest. I mean, that's absolutely that, that is a, a strategy that, um, you know, but what that's built on is that you have to just build it up organically and have great solid content, right? Because they're not going to be resharing. They might reshare you, you know, from hashtags and stuff like that on your account. But, um, uh, you know, that's, that is a, that's a great point, John, Yeah, is that, think, you know, you don't have to pimp yourself out there and just be like, Oh, like I love everybody. And, 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 and then see who comes to you, you hold it tight, build your own following. And then you can go out to them and be like, Hey, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to start highlighting your, your brand more. Yeah. And, and what you'll see is that growing an audience comes faster when you're not running fake ads on your channel, or you're not just placing product for the sake of placing product. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll see, you know, consumers of your content, uh, like to more organic unadvertised type content. Brad and I talk about that all the time. You know, <laughs> you throw a sponsor tag on something, it gets way less attention than anything without it. Um, same kind of concept just because it doesn't say ad or sponsored on it. Um, and, you know, when you're running all your tools are the same color or same brand and you're trying to gain attention from a brand, people see that too. If you were a little more passive about it and then integrated it into say a couple pieces of content instead of one without the tags and everything, you're going to get a lot more of a positive uh, return from the audience that you're trying to grow, uh, which is more important than getting that brand's attention anyway. So uh, good question there, Alex. There's a lot of great feedback. That's kind of why we picked it. You know, we got off on a pretty good tangent there on the after show as well. <laughs> um, I think this went a little bit of a different direction, but hopefully you guys got some 
really good uh, insight there. And I think we threw some dropped some big knowledge bombs as far as like strategy goes there too. So which we always love doing. But uh, getting into the next question is coming from our buddy Justin Gortman, and this is another voicemail call. Hey, this is Justin Gortman from Gortman Made, and my question is in regards to delivery. So I'm currently trying to decide what is the best rate to charge for delivery. The delivery I'm doing is three hours away, which will be six hours round trip, plus two hours of install there on site. That's a full eight-hour day. Is it correct to justify that price as a full day rate since it is eight hours of work, even though I'm not handcrafting goods? Uh, I know that time could be used crafting and building. So um, I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to calculate a delivery rate when driving so far, rental truck, gas, meals, and all of those things to be considered. Thanks, guys. Awesome. So uh, really good product question here. Um, and we chose to put it on the main show because we, we think it's something that a lot of us uh, overlook when it comes to custom work, right? Um, and we, we've talked a lot on the show about uh, properly pricing and breaking down your pricing into making sure that you're including a lot of the hidden costs that go into stuff. Um, and one of those parts being uh, delivery and uh, installation as well. So there's going to be certain times when you can just crate up a product and send it to an individual. And there's going to be certain times when you have to go out there with it. Um, and those types of products, that price needs to be quantified for. And it needs to be something that you're charging up front, right? So in your initial quote, say if you're building, uh, I believe, uh, I mean, I talk, we talked to Justin after this, and I believe they were some cabinets um, or something that needed a, a full installation here for this delivery. So he couldn't just uh, create it and have you know someone else locally uh, bring it in with like a white glove service or anything. So with that, you need to be quantifying for the, your time spent out of your shop and your and the and the loss of income you have from that, as well as paying for travel, as well as paying for uh, you know food and excuse me expenses that are associated with you know possibly renting a U-Haul or a truck or something like that in order to get these products out there. Um, those all need to be things that are quantified for upfront. Um, what what'll happen a lot of the times, and what I find interesting is that. If your pricing's wrong and it comes to delivery, it's going to just be a sucker punch right in the face when you go to that client and say if you're undervaluing your um, your products as is, and then you try and hit them with something that's say a quarter of the price just to deliver, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 you know, two thousand dollars for these cabinets and five hundred to install. What's up with that? If you go back and look at your pricing, you're probably on the lower end of the pricing scale there. Um, and you need to you need to lock that up before you get into these delivery and service charges as well. Um, so make sure you're checking out our pricing guide for that if you uh, if you aren't using that quite yet. But once your pricing's locked up, you'll notice that if like you're if you got a client that's willing to pay you premium top dollar for um, a high end good, they're going to be more than willing to pay for the installation and delivery services that go along with it, as long as you are transparent about it in the beginning of the transaction. From my mm -hmm. experience, you know, you can't go and, you know, hit a hit a client with a $5,000 uh, piece of furniture and then slap on another grand at the end and say, oh, I, I forgot to tell you it's going to be this much to deliver it. If you hit them with it from the forefront, um, they're going to be, you know, uh, one, they're going to be thankful that you didn't try to sneak that in there. And two, it's going to give you the opportunity to kind of wheel and deal the the, the delivery costs associated into your general pricing structure. So, you know, one piece of advice I gave to Justin is that if you feel the client is going to be apprehensive to say a $250 to $500 delivery and installation charge, then you can take that charge that is going to happen and um, build it into the pricing in the rest of your breakdown. Um, and not being, you know, shysty about it or anything like that, uh, but there are going to be costs associated with a lot of uh, kind of consumable aspects of your goods. And if you have, you know, a line item, a lot of people are uncomfortable with delivery, right? We all hate paying for delivery just because it's the era of Amazon. It's where Amazon Prime. Yeah, man. where it's yeah, free. Prime furniture. <laughs> so, exactly. so people don't want to see a line item that says delivery, 250 bucks. Right. But if you had $150 in your breakdown of what the client's paying for, that was for miscellaneous and you added it into there and then just a hundred bucks for delivery, they're going to feel much better about it. Um, and that's a strategy that's worked for me in the past. 
But I like that's I said, like a typical marketing thing, right? I mean, like any of these people that front. deliver Prime, yeah, like anybody that delivers that, that they're not. <laughs> There's no such thing as free shipping. No, it's hiding right? in their cost of goods. That is a, an expense that they have put in that they have factored into their margin. Yeah. So think about that. And and this is going to take a little bit of foresight on your end when you're pricing. Make sure that you understand that you're going to need to pay, be paying for crating if you're doing that, or you're paying for a truck, mileage, overnight stay, tools, whatever. Make sure that you've got all of that locked up in the forefront. And that way you can be completely transparent with your client um, before you get into it. Now, when it comes to rate, that's a whole nother ball game that's going to come down to you. Um, I typically charge a flat rate for shipping and delivery and then make it bank it on myself to get it done in the time frame allotted to make sure that I'm not losing money. Um, and I feel like that by doing that, I'm able to one, give one number to the client um, and they don't need to know that I'm going to be charging, you know, for installation, say $50 an hour. And if I hit a hiccup or something that that's um, on them. You know, I try to make sure. So this is this is going from selling to service type business. Like my margins aren't made on service; they're made on the margin. So because of that, uh, I'd rather get the sale of the product, um, you know, closed instead of um, trying to nickel and dime them on the back end if I have to put an extra two hours into labor right. on an installation. <laughs> um, so I'll eat that cost on me if I'm not fast enough to get it done uh, in the time I allot for myself. And that typically comes down to what rate you feel comfortable with, um, how far you're traveling, what your costs and yeah. expenses. Of going I, I think that's, well. that was one of the big things that we talked about too, John, is that like, I love what you said, like uh, delivery is not somewhere you should be trying to make money, right? That is just like literally the, you know, the, the mechanism of you getting it into their hands. So <clears throat> not something that necessarily you should be marking up or, or doing like you want to give them that as cheap as as possible, uh, because like like you said, John, you're trying to get that what what your business is like is a woodworker. It is a metal worker, leather or whatever. Like as you're delivering these products, you want your product to be first and foremost what they're thinking about and first and foremost what they're getting value out of. Um, and, and that said upcharging for something like that, like, like, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna possibly leave, um, a bad taste in their mouth, you know, but at the same time, you got to cover your charges. So like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say go just eat it and deliver for free, but you know, what is that? And then, you know, I think we also talked about, you know, maybe if your day rate is 50 bucks an hour, you know, maybe your delivery rate is 25 bucks an hour, right? Because you've got some margin built in there, whatever that is, uh, you know, you shouldn't be charging folks for, uh, for meals you're going along the way or anything like that, it should be, Hey, here's what's going to cost me to get this to you. There it is, you know, and, and, and make sure you're, you're paying yourself. And so that you're not losing money on the deal, but you're kind of just getting it there because you want to have a lot, a lifetime customer, especially if you're doing high end furniture, you know, which, which John and I love to talk about, you know, you're selling that one table, you know, for 5,000 instead of 10 for 500. Um, you're getting somebody who is going to be so happy with what you delivered them. Uh, they're not thinking about delivery charges. You're there. And I think this is also installed, right? So if you're installing built-in bookcases, whatever, it's a multiple piece uh, thing that you have to put together is that whatever that experience is, when it's done and they're sitting there looking at the piece, they're not worried about that delivery charge, right? They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about how awesome this new piece of furniture is that you just installed in their house. And like, that's what you want to leave them with. So you want to get it done as, as quickly and efficiently as possible. Uh, whereas if it is at the end and like they haven't completely paid for it and then like they pull out the checkbook and they're like, oh man, that just cost me 750 bucks. Like, geez, that was a lot. Like you, you don't want that happening. So I think all that feedback is the same is, is just really focus on the customer service, really focus on highlighting what you have made and delivered for them and spend that, you know, don't be a in and out, spend that little bit of extra time to, you know, Walk them through, like if that's part of that, if that's part of your sales process, that should be part of your delivery process too. Like, hey, here's this table. Like, you know, check out check out this uh, mortise and tenon down here. You know, this is how this was handmade, and and this thing is really going to last you a lifetime because this connection is so strong. And you know, I tried to highlight the wood here to show you, you know, where we milled this out from this local local park that was down the road. Like, whatever those things are, like really upsell them and and get them in love with the product that should be part of that installation and delivery too, is that you're selling them and getting them super excited about what you just gave to them. 
because whatever you leave them with, that taste in their mouth is exactly what they're going to tell other people when they come in, right? Like you're, you're giving them, you're almost setting them up to be your salesperson. You're telling them all those little things about the finish and how, how much time and effort you put into and how good of quality it is, giving them care instructions, all these little things that they're going to, like when you walk out that door, the last thing on their mind is, is going to be delivery charge. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to show, you know, uh, my girlfriend this when she comes over. I'm not, I can't wait to show my mother, like the, whatever, like this amazing piece. I just can't wait to enjoy this piece of furniture. Yeah. And those are also good opportunities to incorporate them into your brand with some feedback, possibly for your website or review, or even take a Picture. photograph and put it Absolutely. on your, put on your website or put on your Instagram. <clears throat> That's where you're going to make back that maybe a couple bucks of lost income on a lower delivery charge, at least in my experience, you know, I'll take another sale or another transaction based on a referral over another hundred dollars on a delivery charge. Um, but that's going to come down to you personally. If you're, if you're cool with a more lax approach to something like that. Now I'm not saying, you know, get pummeled on delivery just for the sake of a possible referral. But if you're coming in slim and you feel like that you took a little longer on something, don't sweat it. Use that opportunity to capitalize on something that could win for you down the road. Love it. Awesome. Good, good question. I mean, that's what people struggle with a lot. And we all, we do get a lot of questions about delivery and, and shipping. So awesome question, Justin. All right. Our last one came in from James Cunningham. And uh, this one is about Instagram, one of our favorite topics. He said, I'd be interested in a more in-depth discussion of IG analytics. I used Iconosquare for a year and I liked it, uh, but the price went way up and I canceled and what are you guys using to track your spreadsheet uh, or to track your information? Do you use spreadsheets? Do you feel comfortable with any of the commercial services? Are they worthwhile versus more of a DIY approach? And I love this question because I think this one came on the heels of our conversation uh, with Keith Johnson, who is the king of of the spreadsheets. He's he's more of a maniac than I am. Yeah. Had a spreadsheet like, you know, how many likes I had after the first hour, two hours, <laughs> five hours, 72 seconds, you know, like whatever. Uh, and I think that there's a good question because uh, the Iconic Square did go up, uh, the pricing on that. Although, James, you probably would have been grandfathered in uh, on that because I know the pricing did go up. But if you are already a customer, so I've kept uh, Iconic Square, which would be interesting because uh, John has not for opposite reasons. But uh, we'll talk through that in a minute. But uh, in general, uh, some of these other services that were out there so we have gone away because when Instagram changed the way that they did their API, and for personal accounts that aren't business accounts, you can no longer go in to Social Blade, which was a big one that we talked about for a long time. And even for the business accounts, I think they only give you the last 14 days. So you can now track on Social Blade, um, but you can only get 14 days worth of data. And it is only showing you, you know, basically total follows for that day. Uh, and then like how many media you posted and how many people you follow. So not a lot of information there. Um, I personally use uh, Iconosquare. I've been using that for coming on three years now, I think. And it's great because it shows a lot of information, um, but you have to now be business. And that and that's why John dropped it because John is not business anymore because he's got the little fancy dancy uh, blue check mark. So he gets all the benefits of a business account without being business, aka swipe up and analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side of that, uh, you know, if, if you are a business account, you can get Iconosquare. So you can't, if you're personal, you really can't do anything, honestly, like there's just nothing that you can do unless you have a check mark, which is a verified account, which is hard to get. Um, and if you are a business account, then you have all those other options. So you do have all the insights that Instagram gives you, uh, and you can track that it's a, you know, it's the same thing that a lot of the different conversations are about services or software or, or whatever, is that what do you value more, you know, your time or your money, or what do you have more of your time or your money? And if you can afford to do it, Iconosquare is a great tool. It gives you all the information straight in front of you and you don't have to go enter in spreadsheets. IG analytics is, is great in the moment, but if you want to track and see what happened a month ago, two months ago, like you're, you're toast. I mean, IG analytics is basically in the week. Uh, and then if you want individual post information, you can dig in and that's going to take you a lot of time. Uh, if you don't want to spend that time, you can look into something like Iconosquare. That's the only one I, I think that I'm familiar with or that I am familiar with or that we would recommend at the moment. But I know the price has gone up. But I don't know, John, like, how are you using and I, you're not 
as big of an analytics head as I am, but like, you know, how, how has it been for you? Like losing Iconosquare and now just having straight IG analytics, have you just kind of let it go to the wayside or are, you, are there other ways you're looking at it or what? So uh, I typically used Iconosquare um, just for daily tracking of how a piece of content was performing for me or how I did on a specific day. So yeah, if you're using Iconosquare every morning, they'll email you and tell you how much your uh, channel has grown uh, since that time yesterday. Um, and I liked that because it gave me a consistent uh, reminder every day of what did well and what wasn't. And for me, I don't necessarily write everything down in order to track it. Like, I feel like it's in my brain, it's a waste of time just because there's so much changing on platform that I can't control that by trying to control things with a spreadsheet or making the numbers look a certain way, um, it, my, I just can't wrap my head around it. So I use it on like a run and gun like oh, I posted this concrete video yesterday and I picked up 2,000 followers. Like, let's post more concrete videos kind of thing. Um, but where that falls short is exactly what Brad said, is that if you're tracking the piece of content you post, you know, how much uh, following you pick up on that specific piece of content and when it was posted in the time of year, what day, what time of, of the day it was posted, you can really niche down in order to get a great content strategy and execute on that specifically um you can't do that with the way i do it and which is why i don't perform as well as brad does <laughs> for the most part uh, consistently over time so what i've done is i've gone done the same thing on insights i pull it up every morning um and i just check how much my channel's grown since the other morning and see you know oh i i got a spike there i know this number wasn't what it is now yesterday uh and then i go back and i look at the specific post because you can get that information on insights of how many followers you've gotten per post. Those don't go away. I think they stay in the poll for two years yeah. on Instagram, which is really cool. Um, but there's also not a lot of an, a lot of a lot of the deeper information that Iconosquare provides. I do miss um, Iconosquare's ability to populate, uh, you know, your best posts from a certain month, your best posts from uh, a certain year. Yeah. Um, you're able and to that grid, right? The time yep. it was like the so it had the hours on the bottom and the days a week uh, on the yep. on the y axis hours on that. So it there's like a grid. It's like a heat map of here's all the times you posted and here's the ones that uh, basically the larger the bubble is, the more likes you got on that uh, piece of content. So yeah, that that that's probably the biggest thing, right? That mm -hmm. uh, you get so much more detail with a commercial bought product. Yeah, but yeah, you're paying. I mean you're paying for it. Yeah. And, and it wasn't for me as much the paying for it. Like I don't mind paying for things because, especially because I, uh, I make money from this, you know, I'm a, I am a, an influencer. I do get paid to run ads and work with brands. So for me to quantify, you know, whatever the price um, is for something like that is not bad, but that's going to be my piece of advice for this question. And this is what I said on the after show is that I wouldn't recommend paying for any service that you can do on your own unless you're getting paid to use the service, like to, to, on the reciprocating end of it. So, you know, for, for Brad and I to pay for Iconosquare, it makes a lot of sense. We make that money back using the platform in which Iconosquare gives us information for. If you're, if you're just doing it for your own, you know, fun to see if you're tracking uh, and what's working, what's going well for you, I would definitely suggest DIY in that approach. Seeing if you can actually quantify the moves that you're making on Instagram without spending extra money on it before it's making money for you. Um, and then go ahead and pay for a service. Because who knows? <clears throat> because Iconosquare and the API changes and all the things coming out on Instagram are all constantly evolving. In six months from now, there could be an even better service than them that comes out. And because you were DIYing it for the last six months, um, you've actually got a gauge on the growth and what works for you. And you pick up a sponsor and now you can actually pay for Iconosquare with Instagram instead of out of your pocket and having it right. not be something oh, yeah. to justify. So I'm definitely going to see them going there, too. Oh, no I can doubt. see Facebook and Instagram adding, you know, more in and, and having I think that the biggest gap right now is that they don't have it on desktop. Right. So there's mm -hmm. not like a more robust analytics like Facebook. Facebook um, has analytics that you can see, which are absolutely uh, Facebook insights. Yeah, it's like so, so you know, it goes YouTube. down so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. YouTube's is by far the best. Yeah. YouTube's is amazing. So uh, I would yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised 40 if they start, bucks a month. They're going to start coming on platform. So at, at yeah. this moment in time, I would say stick to the DIY approach instead of paying. 
Um, it's not that it's a bad thing, you know. If you're paying the forty or fifty bucks a year for Iconic Square, whatever it is now, uh, dude, it has gone. I just pulled it up because I wanted to see how much it was. It is expensive. It is the lowest one they have is uh, thirty nine bucks a month. Okay, and that's that's Scrap monthly that. or twenty nine bucks a month if you pay yearly. I think um, I think I paid ten dollars a month <clears throat> upfront for one hundred and twenty a year or something like that. I'm at. <clears> at I think I'm at. I'm at, at max, I'm at 80 a year right now. Yeah. And you're grandfathered in from like three right. years of you. So you can see that like, you don't want to be paying over, you know, I would probably, I personally would probably not pay 40 bucks a month for this. So I, no. would, e- even as me making money at it, because it does, uh, like you said, John, like, uh, you know, so we're, we're kind of talking solely about Iconosquare here, but, um, for what it gives you, um, you know, I, I think that it, I don't know. Maybe maybe I would because it does give some some really great information as far as uh, it will roll up impressions and stuff like that for you. So again, I, I think John hit it hit the nail on the head. Is that uh, if you're not making money off it, if you're not, you know, if it's especially so where it would make sense is if somebody's paying you and they want reporting, right? So if there's a brand and they're like, hey, we'd like to see, then that makes it very easy for you, right? And then also you could again, you know, almost just like that last conversation we just had. You could kind of roll that into your pricing, right? Yeah. So you Make roll into big. your pricing. <laughs> yeah, you roll it in and say, you know, okay, well, now I'm going to add on an extra 40 bucks a month to whatever you're paying me so that I can pay for this that you're requesting. Uh, that, I think, is probably the best solution out of all of them. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that, is, that is hardy. I mean, that's okay. more than I pay for hosting. Yeah, no, that is ridiculous. Uh, I, what it seems like, and this is just me off the cuff, is that, with the improvements to the insights on Instagram natively, Iconosquare was kind of giving data and information before Instagram was giving us data and information. And that's why it was so cheap. They probably had a much larger pool of users. Yeah. And in order to quantify the drop in users, they've raised the price to try to keep their you know, Well, and to be fair, revenues to, be f- to be fair to Iconosquare, this is not who it is geared towards. So if I look at it, it even says, so like their lowest plan is called Pro, for small businesses and professional marketers. Yes. So this is not for side hustlers trying to track how many, you know, if they gained 52 or 63 people yesterday, right? You know, so you can add three social profiles, have two team members. Like this is this is legit. This is a, a B2B software at mm-hmm. this point, right? So you can, you know, you can export analytics. Like there's all these things. This is really made for brands and for, uh, you know, influencers who are doing this full time marketers uh, who might be reaching out to influencers. So that's what that's what this is at this point. So it's kind of gone away from the consumer based uh, and they have geared probably because they, you know, like you said, John, they're they're making more money. Like their business is not with like the small people. It's like, hey, I can bring on an enterprise team, make more. I don't have to worry about all these API things because it's all business oriented versus trying to do something personal. So, yeah, I you know, I think just kind of walking through it. Do what you can with the Instagram analytics. If you want to track it over time, yes, um, you know you should go in and get your spreadsheet going. And what I would recommend is using Social Blade uh, and just making a little calendar entry that you go in once a week and just copy and paste. So there's not a whole lot of entry. That would be at the most basic level. If you have a business account, uh, go in. And and honestly, I, I still do it to this day. I enter in and I copy, not from them, but from Iconosquare. I will copy and I have my own little spreadsheet that does its own thing, but it's nothing fancy. It's mainly just followers. I don't do impressions, likes, none of that stuff. It's solely around account growth, which you can easily get just through Social Blade. Yeah, that's that's still pure savagery. But you can't do that <laughs> if you have a personal account. Because I, I cannot use Social Blade. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, you can't get my information on Social Blade. That is correct. Either, correct? That so is correct. That's just for your own native info on Social Blade if you have a business account. You got it. All right. Well, that, yeah. So there you go. And uh, hopefully that helps out for the rest of you guys wondering the same thing. Um, you know, if you need any help at all, uh, just DM Keith Johnson, KJ yeah. Sawdust. Yes. You're welcome, Keith. We love you. Humble those DMs. Uh, or, or go re-listen <laughs> to his episode. <laughs> That's probably a better. Let's do that. We'll, we'll save Keith. Go listen to Keith's episode. We interviewed Keith and uh, on episode 70. 
and he talks about exactly what he does, and uh, he is a savage. So yes. go check that out. Uh, thank you guys so much, and thank you to our patrons who brought in the questions again. So we had a couple that were voicemail, a couple that we read. We're just kind of transitioning into the voicemail aspect, so our goal uh, next quarter is to have all voicemail questions for you guys because we love that, and um, we would love to have you as a patron as well. So if you would like to submit your questions in the after show, get them answered, then have them possibly come over here. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. Uh, and we'll have links to that as well. Some of these tools we talked about, you can head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 79. And also, if you want to engage more with the MFP tribe, make sure you're heading on over to Instagram and following us at made for profit, where you can keep up with what we're doing on the daily basis, drop some questions to us and engage with our beautiful community over there. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, we have an after show to get to, so why don't we go get to it? Let's do it. 